This is Alan Olson, and welcome to American Dreams. My guest today is Warren Stickney. Warren, welcome. Thank you for having me. So, Warren, uh, you have a very unique background, and maybe for the listeners, you can bring us through what what brought you up to today, uh, you know, establishing your the history and uh, experiences along the way. Yeah, that that would be great. So, I I entered uh, the financial planning field eventually after a background in the solar industry and and uh, actually music business, and uh, so what became interesting is I I moved along in the journey and located here in Bellevue, Washington, in the background with Microsoft in my backyard. I had many people from Microsoft coming to me saying, well, you know what? We can work with Goldman Sachs or anybody, so why are we going to work with you? And what became uh, interesting is I said, well, what is your biggest pain point? Well, at the time, the biggest pain point um, was the taxation on the stock grants or stock options that they were getting. And so I looked at it, and from my background in solar, was fairly good with partnerships because I had been doing, you know, solar, micro utilities, and partnerships. And so, well, what if we did a charitable partnership? And uh, actually, somewhat uh, quasi invented the process, brought it through uh, a bunch of attorneys to get it uh, okay tax wise, and then the whole thing that we were able to do is uh, legally avoid the tax on the exercise of options and do a lot of uh, cool philanthropic things along the way. So that's that was my background. And interestingly, um, that concept died because of abuse, not the, the we did, but something that another planner had done. And I've just learned that uh, Mark Zuckerberg actually did that with the Facebook stock about five years ago. And now it is all the rage. So things have come full circle. <laughs> well, it's interesting, I guess. Uh... Every good idea seems to be shut down by the IRS eventually. And at uh, least if it's abused, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and you know, uh, I, in my prior life, many years ago, I was an IRS agent. And, and so uh, I started my career in the mid 80s, and, and that's about the time that they had all these tax shelters. And they had Altamont Pass, the the windmills, they had the solar farms, they had all these energy credits, and uh, someone said, you know, you ought to go after all these 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 uh, these these shelters, and uh, and and someone inside the IRS made the point, this entire management said, you know, I think we need to be careful because Congress was the one that actually set that up as a tax incentive. And so I, I thought it was ironic that, that, that sometimes uh, the good ideas are actually put in by Congress and the enforcement uh, people that are enforcing it sometimes are the, the problem. So, uh, you know, if you, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. Yeah. Well, we uh, we actually uh, dropped the project. Right. So and uh, then my wife told me to get out of the IRS and go go find another uh, job. So, <laughs> all right. So Warren, so you, uh, you're up in Washington. Is it Bellevue? Did I hear? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And, and so you're right in the heart of Microsoft and you got Boeing, you got a lot of yeah, companies got Microsoft up there. and Amazon. Uh, okay. You know, both headquartered here, uh, you know, Microsoft with 120,000 employees. Um, not all located here, but a huge background. 
So Warren, someone comes to you and says, Hey, Warren, I I'm I'm wealthy on paper, but now I want to go cash my um my paper in for, and convert it to uh, cash. Uh, yeah, where do you start with with uh, somebody like that? And let's just I'm gonna throw out a number, say it's over ten million dollars. Yeah, start? so let me give you kind of the journey because I wish I had a drive up window of people that knew what I was doing. So okay. oftentimes, well, oftentimes what happens is with Microsoft now they're on a grant process. So what they end up is getting large grants, and the grants now best quarterly. So without doing anything, they don't have the latitude of deciding when they're going to be paying the tax. It just is set in motion, and if they're successful, they're going to have more and more grants coming, and then they invest, and that's that's how it works. And most of the time, many planners and and many CPAs are not well versed on this or what they think is that with charitable remainder trusts, they say, oh, you can't use that because you can't transfer the stock prior to uh, exercise. And the conventional wisdom would be that you would only do this with an asset like an appreciated stock that you could transfer ahead of time. But mm -hmm. what I looked at is the economics of this actually in, in using the cash uh, that comes and that if they love the stock, they can rebuy it in the trust. But with leverage in the trust, it's actually able to significantly offset the tax. So it's really a tax offset, uh, but it works incredibly well. Interesting. So uh, when you set these, uh, these, these trusts up, uh, the mechanics of it are essentially you're going to get some type of benefit up front then, tax benefit. Yes, exactly. Because the goal of a lot of people um, and so what we always look at kind of in philanthropy is a, is a philanthropic pyramid that I like to say. So first, uh, just like they say on the airplane, you got to put your own mask on first before helping others. Uh, mm -hmm. The same thing follows kind of through. Once we've determined uh, the critical capital that they need to live, then, then what we'll look at it and say is, okay, with a charitable trust, the way the trusts work for the most part that we use are where you're not really giving the money away. It goes to the charity at your death, uh, or if you're so inclined and what we've kind of pioneered is using some of the money ahead of time once you're at the critical mass level. But uh, so that's, that's what we'll do. So then we analyze kind of the various structures available and help them create the trust. So basically what you're doing is you're setting up a private annuity, if I understand it, of which the, the charity is... Holds the well, it's actually after... actually it's a charitable. The specific trust type is called a NIMCRA. Oh, so it's a okay. net yeah. income makeup charitable remainder trust. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, what's kind of a nuance with that is you can actually have insurance in the trust. And if you've got insurance in the trust, which nobody ever had thought of doing, you actually guarantee what's going to go to the charity in the end, and you could pull more money out of the trust for yourself. Wow. So. Um, it just makes a whale of a lot of sense when you think about it, because the, the IRS's concern always with the charitable trust is once you've set it up, that the charity's not going to get anything because you're going to be living on the money. And, and if the investments don't work out, then you're sunk. But we can actually structure in such a way that we know charity's going to get money in the end. It enables you to pull more money for yourself. So, Warren, you recently did a book. Uh... It's uh, increasing your 
started oh, to oh. say wealth, but now it's worth. It's, it's increased, increased yeah. your it's increased your worth with wealth crossed off. And okay. kind of the exciting thing for me with this was was the notion of not being the richest person in the graveyard. Um, and what prompted this really is with the the course of doing the the planning that I've done over the years. I'd love to share two stories of of quiet successes. Um, that, that again have worked out extremely well. One one uh, client success was a, a gentleman, a physician. Um, he's happy for me to share the story, so if it's okay, I will. Um, but you know, was facing you know annual income that was significant, and and really had done a lot with Doctors Without Borders and traveled the world. So kind of in working on this together, said, well, what can be done? You know, I would love to actually. Um, you know, do something medically and 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 educationally. Uh, so he identified a place in Uganda, and we set up uh, one of these trusts. With the immediate tax savings of the trust, we were able to start funding the building of a school. And for uh, by managing this and learning, we learned a whole lot by managing this himself. Uh, with local people in the city of Uganda, we built a school that, by U.S. standards, is remarkable. For two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, so when you think of the amount of uh, impact one can have with a relatively modest, so with the trusts, we were saving more than that in income tax per year. So it was one year's worth of tax savings that funded this school. So now we're off on other projects. Uh, and uh, that's so you that's know what just I look one. What I love about what you're doing there, Warren, is uh, is you're you're just not doing uh, running numbers or running spreadsheets. You're uh, as you work with people, you're you're engaging them in purpose. Uh, you know, just kind of doing a comprehensive solution there of helping uh, people fulfill their mission, their philanthropic goals, and uh, and then seeing what tools can be used. Uh, you know, to, to help people save on to what they have. That really is my mission. So it's like, it's like what I would say by, I feel my mission on earth is to show people what can be done and enable them to do it. And then, you know, what I've heard is that a lot of people's goal in life, you know, as they're reaching their wealth numbers, the goal is to stay, initially they'll say, oh, I want to go golfing. Well, they retire and after a couple months, it's like, eventually they become bored and then they become boring. And so, because if we all take care of ourselves, we're going to live a lot longer. It's like, what can we connect with? that is a much more significant purpose that might carry multiple generations in a family of enthusiasm. And, and the way that I've seen clients energy reborn uh, with both these clients that were kind of near re retirements, they are on fire. I mean, they cannot wait to do more. And, and uh, yesterday I was talking with this, this client that's doing, um, you know, building medical clinics in Africa. Now she wants to use this as a model. Uh, International Rotary is now supporting her. And so what we're actually doing is creating a model that will be a cookie cutter model for building medical clinics and hospitals in, in needy countries. And again, mm -hmm. for tiny numbers, I mean, it's $100,000 per clinic hospital. So Warren, uh, we live in a really changing world right now. 
uh, anyone in the stock market, you know, watches the the account fluctuate up and down every day, and and uh, you know how and 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 for people that are trying to get predictability and peace of mind, what do you advise? How do you advise them? You know, what, is there any uh, sound advice that you can share with us as uh, as listeners? Well, yeah, kind of my philosophy, which is which may sound boring, but it's always, uh, and I kind of learned this years ago, is that if we can quantify, which we do in the course of all this planning, the amount of money that somebody needs per year, my general philosophy is to ladder what you need in bonds and go out seven or eight years always in laddered bonds. And as the bonds mature, we cash them in and live on both the principal and the interest and always stay seven to eight years out. So when we have a market, uh, this is just normal, right? What we're seeing in the market is normal. And uh, just because the market's gone up, you know, nonstop for the past 10 years, that actually is not normal, this is. But if we can show people a way, uh, before we had kind of the acronym TINAs, you, there is no alternative to stocks because you couldn't do anything in the bond market. Well, now with bonds, a two-year bond at four and a half percent, Suddenly, there's there's plenty of things that people can do. So to me, it's it's really an all of all the above approach. And planning wise, always when people will say to me, "Oh, do you like this or do you like that?" And to me, it's a little bit like saying, "Do you like a hammer or a screwdriver?" And I'll say, "I don't know. Tell me what the job is I'm trying to do, because <laughs> I probably could do the job with either one, but it's going to be far more efficient with one than another, depending on the task." So Warren, these new uh, this new generation, the Gen Xers, or even more recent, they uh, they'll often have an attitude. Well, I think I can do everything myself, Warren. And uh, why don't I just rather than do a bond ladder ladder strategy, buy a short term bond fund, a midterm, and a long term? Okay, now there's something inherently wrong with that. And as an advisor. What would you, how would you respond to that? that well, what I would person? say, I talked to them about two things. One is interesting because Vanguard, which is kind of the pioneer of indexing and low cost mutual funds, has a piece that, that called Advisor Alpha. And what the piece actually demonstrates by Vanguard, which is interesting, is that the value an advisor adds is around 1% to 2% at least, which more than covers their fee. And the other thing I will, I, I love those clients, by the way, because I always say one of the things we don't normally, even though you could, would watch a YouTube video on doing brain surgery, it may not be something that you would want to try on one of your kids. And not, not that financial planning is brain surgery by any amount, but by, by you know, any stretch of the imagination, but um, there is significant value. And what I would say as an advisor, a good advisor, what I do is bring things to the table that would never occur to them. So I, and I'll explain to you kind of my, my story as well with the market when the market does, does corrections. There's two different experiences we have. One experience, we're flying across the, the country and the pilot gets on and says, you know what, I want you to get up if you need to go to the bathroom because in about 15 minutes, we're going to go through some turbulence and I'm going to have everybody sit down. It's going to last 20 minutes. Then I'll take the seatbelt signs up, but I just, just thought I would let you know. So that's one experience. The other experience is where you're flying along and suddenly the pilot gets on and with a harsh tone, says, take your seats, flight attendants, 
you know, take your jump seats and everybody put on your seatbelts. In both scenarios, same journey across the country, same turbulence, same weather. In one thing, you're prepared and you know what to expect. And your experience at the end of the day is completely different. So that's what the, the younger people, what I will say is things that you have yet to see, we've seen hundreds of times. And you may enjoy it more if you're with somebody that can guide you rather than happy to experience it yourself. Thank you. That, that's great conventional wisdom. Uh, Warren, if a person wants to reach out and contact you, how would they go ahead and do that? Um, they could uh, email us, uh, just warren at stickneyresearch.com or with our book. Uh, we have a website as well that's tied in the book, increaseyourworth.com. But, uh, you know, or 425-462-6335. We would love to help anybody, even if you're entertaining the idea. Uh, I, I absolutely am more passionate about what, I, what I'm doing in enabling people to change the world. So please reach out if remotely this is of interest to you. Warren, I appreciate you being with us today.